This is episode number 34 with program director of Mighty Writers, Jamila Tompkins Bigelow. Welcome to the We Love Philly podcast. We are We Love Philly. Our mission is to promote volunteerism throughout the streets of Philadelphia and bring back the brotherly love to the city of brotherly love. Each week, we bring an individual or organization that's making Philly a better place. We hope you enjoy and let's dive in. Octavia E. Butler once said, you don't start out writing good stuff, you start out writing crap and thinking it's good stuff and then gradually you get better at it. That's why I say one of the most valuable traits is persistence. And Louis Lamore once said, start writing no matter what. The water does not flow until the faucet is turned on. Welcome back to the We Love Philly podcast. On this episode of the podcast, we speak about how Mighty Writers accomplishes what the school district has been failing at. We give advice for parents to help their child become a better reader and writer. And we also talk about how Philadelphia's political past has been impacting education in the present. If you enjoy the improved quality of the podcast, you can come to Rec Philly at 9th and Market. That is where our podcast studio is. And you can check out all of the great things that are going on there. They have recording studios, podcast studios. They have everything you need to get your creation on. If you have a young person in the city of Philadelphia, 16 to 21 year old who would like to join the We Love Philly program absolutely for free, check out our website, www.welovephilly.org. You can click on the link that says enroll now and you can enroll absolutely free into the We Love Philly program by joining One Bright Ray Community High Schools. If you want to continue to follow or you are interested in what We Love Philly is doing next, you can check out our Instagram at We Love Philly. We're also on Facebook at We Love Philadelphia. Now here it is, our episode with Mighty Writers Jamila Tompkins Bigelow. I've been a history teacher for six years and I've worked in alternative education. What does Mighty Writers do that the school district isn't doing to get kids interested in reading and writing? I'll answer this as someone who was a former English teacher. So I left the classroom to work at Mighty Writers. I left that work because there was such a lack of emphasis on writing and that was what I was good at. That's what I love to do. I love to teach kids how to write because I saw it as empowering. This is something that's really important for their lives. Wherever they go, they're going to need to write and they can use it in so many different ways for so many different purposes. But the only thing that was being emphasized was really test scores, things that were measurable and writing is not measurable. The one thing that I love about Mighty Writers is the emphasis on writing and that meaning in writing is primary. The focus is what is it that you're trying to express with your writing. A lot of times when I was teaching, I would see other other teachers as shortcuts focus on grammar or spelling all the time without really considering were the kids getting to a point where they could express an idea in a meaningful way. They didn't really care about that. And at Mighty Writers, while we care about the grammar, we care about the spelling and all of that stuff, what we really care about more than anything is meaning. What are your ideas? Ideas are primary. What are you trying to express? What are you trying to do? What kinds of moves are you trying to make with your writing? So that's what I love about Mighty Writers. I love that there's a little bit more freedom. There's more creativity with the writing. So kids can do different kinds of things with their writing. Because even when I think I was teaching writing, there were structured expectations. There were certain kinds of writing that we were limited to. And yes, we have structure at Mighty Writers. We have certain standards, but it does 
feel like kids have the freedom to say, I don't really want to do this kind of writing. I want to pursue this writing. And that we give that we make room for them to do that. You know, just giving room for that creativity and the type of writing that they want to do. And just making it fun and having the kids be exposed to people who love writing. Because a lot of our volunteers are people who enjoy writing in some way. Some of them are published authors. Some of the volunteers are not published authors. They're writing as like technical writers or people like this. And so Mighty Writers is an escape for them because they get to do the fun writing that maybe they love doing as kids, and but they don't do professionally, but now they can do it with their with the students that we work with. Being in Philadelphia, you know, read by fourth, right? Two thirds mm-hmm. of students aren't reading at grade level by fourth grade. I believe we read on your website that 40% still aren't reading by grade level by eighth grade. Right. So what does fun writing look like? Because my students, if it's more than a paragraph, they don't want to, and Tyhead's laughing because he, know, <laughs> he knows, if it's more than a paragraph, students are like, this is too much reading or writing. Well, that's always about because kids do have this attitude and this preconceived notion when they walk into the space that writing is all work and no fun. And sometimes writing really is work. I write professionally on the side as well, and it does. It's not always fun for me either. I think part of it is trying to connect kids with different interests. So we have different kinds of writing workshops. We have comic book club, workshops about girl power, workshops about race, fan fiction writing, all kinds of different passions and interests that kids might have. And so giving them space to engage with those interests as their writing is important? Can we use their backgrounds, use their cultures, whatever that they bring to the table and connect that to writing? So that's one way that we do it. We have them talk. Talk is a huge piece of helping kids to write. I often think of writing as being kind of like a second language. And so kids are comfortable talking often about their ideas, right? They can talk them out. And if you can get them to articulate them and to elaborate them before they get to the paper and the pen, that makes it easy for them to get those ideas out. And if you can get them talking passionately about something, whatever it is, then it makes it a lot easier. It makes it more fluid to go, okay, now let's put those ideas down. Sometimes fun is the actual production of stuff that is meaningful to other people, right? That they know it's going to go in a magazine. We work hard to get the kids published. They know that they're going to enter a competition. They know that uh, they're going to be blogging. They know that they're going to uh, lead a protest. Every summer we take the kids to demonstrate about causes they care about and so they have to write about that. They have to write speeches. And for a lot of kids that's a meaningful time, that's fun, that's engaging. One thing I, I want to say is a lot of times people think that fun is just taking the writing out of it. So saying we'll just do a little bit of writing and then we'll just play games or we'll do these different activities and that's not the best approach because kids never learn to get comfortable with writing. I think once kids see that they can do it, once you get them passionate and excited about what they're writing about and then they see that they can do it, that they can produce writing, then suddenly that becomes a comfort zone for them. That becomes a language that they can speak in and they're willing to speak in it. How long have you been with Mighty Writers? It's been three years. It's been three years and the would you say the levels of students coming in have been consistently the same or have you seen improvement from your days of teaching English or are students coming to you with lower levels or are they hired? No, it's consistently the same and same meaning that typically it's low level. When I was teaching, my reputation was the teacher who teaches you how to write. And so I taught at the eighth grade level at some point, like I was in middle school, I also taught at 12th grade. It didn't matter where I started with kids, almost 
always I had students who really never had experience with writing in a sustained and serious way, in a way that would prepare them for the real you know, situations of college, of work, the work world. Like they just didn't know how to write. Their writing was so basic because no one was doing it with them. Writing is hard to teach. It takes time. And so at Mighty Writers, it's the same thing. Kids come to us. Sometimes they come from even some good schools and you can tell this kid has never sat down to actually write a long piece about anything that that matters to them. And they don't even understand what writing is for. They think writing is an assignment that your teacher gives you. They don't understand that like, there's a purpose for them in writing something. Yeah, and I love how you said earlier that you get them to talk it out. I'm constantly telling my, my students that if you don't know new words, you can't have new thoughts and you're not going to be able to solve any of your problems because you're trying to constantly solve your problems with the vocabulary that you know. Mm -hmm. But getting them to talk it out first and then you being there for them and teaching them a new word and then having them put it on paper. I like that you said it's not an assignment. It's, It's an extension of expressing yourself. You're taking the thoughts that might be all over your head, bouncing around and you're putting them on paper and you're seeing it come to life. Mm-hmm. What advice would you give parents who are struggling at home with students with their reading or with their writing? You have to make time for the writing and the reading, obviously, right? And you have to show your kids that you care about it. So that's one of the things. Like, it's not going to just happen, right? You can't just tell your kids, read a book or write or whatever. You have to actually have books in the house. Yeah. You have to show kids that you care about reading. You have to be passionate about books and interested in them. You have to be the nerdy one who's coming to them with these great, you know, works of writing. I love this book. Let's read this, you know, read this with me. Some, and a lot of times they'll be like, no, you know, <laughs> they'll look at you weird. My kids look at me weird. Um, you know, mom has this idea. But often times you put something in front of them and you also show them that interest and kids will get it. There is something to this that people are actually interested in, in things like this. And I think at Mighty Writers, uh, we had a, of a toddler program, Mighty Toddlers, and there was a parent, she had a five-year-old in the program, and the five-year-old was not interested in books at all. And so we were trying to get the five-year-old into books and you know we we're like, well, let's have them pick three books. Usually we give kids one book a week that they get to keep. All of the books are for kids to keep and build their libraries. But we're like, we're gonna give them three. We wanna get them excited about books. And the mom's like, she goes, okay, go ahead, look for books. And we said, no, you have to get up and you have to walk to the bookshelf with that child. And you have to show him what you're interested in. You have to show him that there's some excitement with that. Yeah, it reminds me of something I saw on the internet, but it's a woman sitting on the subway reading the book and then her daughter's right next to her reading a book. And it says, Mm -hmm. your children do what they see, not what they hear or something like that. And yeah, that's exactly what you're speaking to. have to be the one reading you have to be the one writing and then your your children will follow yeah and don't think it's the tablets those tablets don't work yeah it's they're no good for that like you have to physically have books and magazines and things that you're opening up yes. and like looking through and that the yeah. kids are seeing you yeah through. that's that's the, i think that's the biggest turnoff for young people when it comes to reading and writing is the lack of focused attention and you mm-hmm. build your focused attention through reading but since we're growing up in a cell phone age it's constantly on to the next thing and same with the tablet it's on to the next thing and all of the programs that are on there are there to like it's like gambling they're constantly feeding (laughs) you that little dopamine hit and now if you're trying to get a child to focus on one thing at a time for more than 10 minutes it's like torture to them because it's it's the ultimate level of uncomfort right yeah it's scary
How does Mighty Writers work? We have a variety of different programs. A lot of our volunteers help support us in those programs. Some of them they even run. Mighty Toddlers is a program that is taught by staff, uh, although we do have volunteers that support that. So that's an early childhood literacy program where we are in, uh, encouraging children to also create their own stories and create their own books in their own way. So they're like scribbling on paper and th- in, in creating their stories. We have things like our after school program, again, taught by programming staff, but volunteers help sit with you know, two or three children at a time, and they sit with them and they help them with their writing. Uh, This is elementary and middle school students, so helping them develop their writing skills. We have workshops. Workshops are taught by our volunteers, typically. So these are, and our workshops are really opportunities for our kids to have fun and become passionate about writing about some topic. So volunteers typically have an interest. For example, we have a volunteer who does uh, ghost tours in Old City, and she also teaches workshops. So that's her job, but she teaches workshops with us um, with scary stories. So that's her passion. That's her expertise. Uh, We've had people do things. Like like I said, girl power. We've had people do things like comic books. We've had we have mindfulness workshops where where the volunteer is doing like yoga and meditation, but then the kids are journaling and writing in some way. So it's whatever the the volunteer wants to bring. We just want we want as many things as possible, STEM, whatever, as long as it attracts certain children to it or teens and and they can come in and they're excited about it and then there's some kind of a writing component built into it. We have parties and events so like we have our big black history bash coming up on Tuesday February 25th uh, where children will be able to uh, and teens will do spoken word. We have a, a competition where kids and adults can compete to dress like a black history uh, figure. Is so, that what we're doing? You could. Yeah, you're helping with that, helping right? With that. So if y'all want to dress up, you can, you know what I mean? Like, we get people dressing up. You don't look that excited about it, but <laughs> I'm going to get you excited about it. And we're going to have soul food and really uplifting music, just celebrating blackness and, and, and black people. You know, and that's what we try to do, too. We try to celebrate the different cultural backgrounds that we see represented. And Mighty Writers is very diverse. So South Philly location is mostly black and Asian. We have all uh, Latin. Latinx locations. We and a lot of our locations are as well African American population. So how many? How many locations? Nine now. Um, wow. We are seven in Pennsylvania. So we have in the Philadelphia area. We have most of our sites, and then we have one in Kennett Square, which serves the families, the children of the mushroom pickers who are uh, Latinx. I don't know if you know this, but Pennsylvania has the biggest mushroom or or produces the most mushrooms of any yes and so we're in uh, Camden New Jersey now and now we're moving to Atlantic City so, oh, wow. Mm-hmm. How many volunteers are there? There are 600 volunteers um, supporting us in the work that we do. Yeah. From tutors to academy assistants to workshop leaders, teaching assistants, and mentors. We have volunteers who mentor kids, too. None of this is through the school district or inside of schools. These are all rec centers. Like, where are the locations? These are just separate buildings? They're separate buildings. We are in rec centers. And there is a location. Mighty Writers <laughs> North is within Vox high school, although it's not a part of Vox High School, but they have community centers and places, and so we are operating from there. But yeah, it's they're separate places. 
Wow. How long have they been around? So the one, the Vox one has only been around for a few months. Was this started by one person or was this a team of people who started Mighty Runners? One person, Tim Whitaker. Wow. Yeah, he, that was this was his vision. Yeah. He's still going strong. He's work, still working at Mighty Riders South every day. Yeah. How so, long ago? 11 years ago. We've been in discussion about growing We Love Philly and mm-hmm. you're inspiring us with every word that you say. Oh, so, I'm glad. <laughs> uh, so, I thought I was babbling. No, 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 <laughs> not at all. I'm a writer person. No, 11, <laughs> ele- 11, 11 years, mm-hmm. nine locations, and mm-hmm. you're not affiliated with the school district, so you can do whatever you all believe is best. Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. What was the moment that you knew you made the right choice? Like a lot of, even myself, I'll discuss it with my wife, and I'm like, should I keep teaching or should I take mm-hmm. the leap and like go create something that I want to do for the rest of my life? Like, how did you know when you arrived at Mighty Writers that you were at a place where you were meant to be? It's hard to know. I don't know if I had a moment. I love the work that I do. I do feel sometimes guilt from leaving teaching. There aren't that many black teachers in the country, period, Philadelphia, whatever. So, and I that felt like that was my calling for a long time. I was good at it. I just got kind of got burned out. Sometimes I still miss it and go back to, you know, I go back and forth. Like, you know, should I be in the classroom doing this? I love that I can empower more people to do the work. I'm working with hundreds of volunteers yes. and getting them to do the work. So so that's pretty cool. I love that I have more space to do things with kids that I didn't have before. So I can make a lot of creative choices. And when I can inspire kids and really light a fire under them. And I tried to be creative as a teacher, but there were limits, you know. I appreciate your courage because, yeah, like leaving the classroom, you feel like. My heart is always there. Yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. always going to be a, a teacher. I'm always going to be a teacher at heart. Yeah. That, that's, you know. Well, you're still teaching. You just created your own I method do. of it. Yeah, <laughs> I am. I'm teaching. It's just a different way. Yeah. And it's a lot more laid back. I don't even know. I think the teacher me would not know this me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, what are you doing yeah. with them kids? You're just hanging out. You know, I was very like. Yeah, 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 schedule. Yeah, just follow the schedule, follow the rules. Yeah, So follow mm -hmm. the standards. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Have you always lived in Philadelphia? Since the time I was nine, I've been in this area. What's your opinion on how Philadelphia has changed over your lifetime? The schools still remain awful. I don't know why. That just never seems to change. And it's starkly, like stark differences and disparities between them. And that was the same when I was a kid. I lived in West Philly for a while, and then my family worked really hard to get us across 69th Street to Upper Darby, and that changed my education completely. And then I went back to teach in Philadelphia, and I was shocked, right? So just seeing the disparities, but really just a mile away from where I live, suddenly schools are completely different. And it's all throughout the city like that. You can walk within blocks, and schools are completely different. And then, you know, it's toxic. The city, when I was growing up, it seemed really run down. Crack vials were everywhere on the block that I lived on. And it just seemed like a city in decline. And now it's a strange place because there's constant development and I don't know how to see that. It's nice to have all these lovely businesses but it does feel like certain things are being developed and others are just being left. 
behind. So the schools are not being developed at all. They're still the same. These businesses that are taking over. And I see this really around Mighty Rider South, right? So even in the three years I worked there, my first year working there, there was nowhere to go to get lunch except for a Popeye's and a McDonald's. Mm. That's 1600 Christian? Mm -hmm. 1500 Christian. Mm -hmm. Christian. That was what was close. And then I had to go all the way South Street if I wanted anything else. So I usually brought my lunch, whatever, and then sometimes went to those businesses. Now I have a Chipotle. I had to go to a (laughs) Routes is there. There's a Starbucks, Insomnia Cookies, and there's like, you know, like, I can't, it's lovely. Like there's yeah. a whole, there's a Target, there's a whole stretch of like businesses, and there are kids who are still coming, who live in the neighborhood, and, and people who are alumni. There's a Black Muslim community that's firmly entrenched there, and they grew up when it was kind of poor, and now there are like all of these houses that are incredibly expensive, and we so we have like low income houses on the same block as like houses that are like half a million dollars and it's just strange. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, Ty, you've gone to school your whole life in Philadelphia, yeah. correct? So what has your opinion of public education system been? I feel like it's not good. <laughs> like I realized a lot lot more recently, like when I came to OBR, how like bad the school like foundation was. You can tell the difference from a teacher who's trying and a teacher who just wants a paycheck. And some teachers, they try their best, but like they're limited to what they can do and stuff like that. And they have to teach certain things and they have to do this, this and that. And then when I came to OBR, I realized that teachers have a little bit more freedom. They're still limited in different ways. But like, I think the system that it has is like way better than the system that the normal public schools be having and the way that the teachers actually care. Thanks for sharing. What do you think the solution is with our education system in Philadelphia? Are we going to deal with the effects of redlining? It really has to do with the way that schools are segregated right now and and property values. I think that that's one of the big things. I just don't like the system of schools throughout the United States. There isn't a solution for Philadelphia because we really need to kind of tear it down and start over. And that's kind of where I was impatient when I was teaching and I felt burnt out because this system is just not working. Why do I have all of these kids in a class, me just teaching 45 minutes, per period. Why are we following this structure? Yeah, yeah. Why? So I don't it, like, ca- it causes anxiety. And, and keeping <laughs> it this way continuously for yeah. hundreds of years. Why are we not questioning that or reevaluating it? I, I don't get it. So I mean there there's a problem of yes, certain schools are underfunded and you can just see it generation after generation, those kids will go to those schools and they just will fail them. And the solution isn't a charter school. The solution really is like, we have to reevaluate why we're doing the things that we're doing. I agree. It doesn't make sense that everything else would evolve over the last hundred years, except our education system. And it sounds like from what both of you said, you had a strong emphasis on the limitations that are put on teachers. And we live in a country where freedom is the number one value, but we're not letting, right? We're not Mm -hmm. being free when it comes to educating our young people. Just like you said with Mighty Riders, I can have the freedom to make it fun and do whatever I want. Mm -hmm. And you're enthused, Mm -hmm. student is enthused. Mm -hmm. Teacher's not enthused, teacher doesn't care, teacher's burnt out, teacher's Mm -hmm. collecting the paycheck, teacher's protected by Mm -hmm. by a union, teacher doesn't feel like changing along with the times because what happened when they were in high school, they did it, so why can't you do it? Like Mm -hmm. I see all of these different things and I feel like it's definitely time for a change. We have to respond to the needs of our communities. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The way that our schools are structured. So if you could go back in time then and tell the teenage version of yourself three things, what would you tell you and why? Oh, wow. (laughs) 
This is a hard question. This is deep. Yeah. Your taste in boys is bad right <laughs> now. <laughs> so that's one. <laughs> it's pretty bad. Two, you can be a writer because I didn't really think that. Yeah. Uh, I, I kind of gave up on that dream wanted to do something more realistic, quote unquote. Three, don't take all them student loans out. No. <laughs> Please don't. You gave me, my, you gave me the goosebumps. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Mm -hmm. I would like to take a moment and send love your way. It's so amazing to be around someone who actually cares about the future of young people and the future of our city. And I can already just tell just by your energy that you put in the hours, you put in the time, you put in the effort, and you put the, the child first, you put the youth first. And it's the most important thing because we know we're coming from Philly and living here our whole lives. A lot of them, their parents aren't putting them first. So for them to see an adult that's actually being a leader and showing that, hey, I'm here for you. I'm not here to collect the paycheck, like Ty had said. That's the number one thing you said that you noticed immediately right mm -hmm. so for you to be there and to not only be there as an educator but to also notice that the system was wrong and to join a program that's actually doing on the ground work and it's spreading and I, I have so much admiration for you thank you so much oh thank you for the love yeah. <laughs> thank you so how can we find mighty writers how do, do you have an Instagram social media how do how do parents sign up can they just show up at one of the nine locations yes <clears throat> we do we're on Facebook Twitter and Instagram um, at Mighty Writers. You can find our website www.mightywriters.org where we have lots of our programs posted and so that's the easy way to sign up. Families can also come yet they, they're welcome to walk into one of our centers. We're in North Philadelphia, West Philadelphia, South Philly, in the Italian market, you know like I said in, in New Jersey now as well and so, so they're welcome to walk into one of our sites at any time to sign up. A lot of families do that especially at our West Philadelphia site. I'm hearing is that they people are constantly just walking in and signing in so that signing up so that's fine too and uh, one thing to point out is that all of our programs are free that is a part of our mission so we never want that to be a, a barrier so a lot of times families are hesitant to sign up because in, and they're trying to like whisper to me like so what's, what's the yeah, fee because yeah, yeah. they're thinking you're going to be embarrassed it's going to be some fee that they didn't know about there is never we never charge for anything that we do so whether that's the programs the snacks we provide trips uh, we take kids on college trips, whatever. They're not going to pay a dime for that. We'll even <clears> give you transportation and get back if you need it. That is our mission that nothing ever costs the stu for the student. Thank you. What is your definition of love? Oh, my God. Oh, my <laughs> deep questions y'all hitting me with. <laughs> yeah, we, we save them for the end. <laughs> yeah, definition of love. This is philosophical. Oh, wow. What is the definition of love? Who can define that? I think you'll be episode number 35. Every single person has given us a different answer. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Love is such a big, expansive, overwhelming thing. It's kind of arrogant to even try to put a <laughs> like definition on it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it is this thing that we know it and we and we feel it. And it drives what we do. And like, but can we really, and, and you know, there have been poets, writers. I'm a writer. I can't put words to it. I don't have words for it. You see me, I, I have lots to say all the time. And I'm kind of like, what do we say here? What is it? I think it's too big for me to define, to yeah. be honest. Yeah. 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 I think you did a great job. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I feel like you captured it. Okay. <laughs> well, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Thank you.